Well, good evening. Good to see you here tonight. It's like getting dark already, which is crazy, but I guess that's what happens when you get an extra hour of sleep, so I can't complain. Uh, my son actually slept in a little bit later than normal this morning, too, which was great. So usually with kids, you don't get the extra hour of sleep, but he did really well, so I was thankful for that. So I got a little bit of extra hour of sleep, but not too much. So good to have you here tonight. We've had a good morning this morning and a good night again tonight. A couple of announcements tonight before we get started. First of all, if you're joining us for the first time here in person, please stop by our welcome desk. I don't see any first-time visitors, but again, I'm glancing very quickly, so pardon me if I don't see you. Um, but if you're joining us the first time online, you can scan the QR code or go to sptindy.org slash contact and fill out that form there so we have a record of your visit there. Our children's ministry training, as I said before, we're revamping our children's ministry, and so we're looking forward to just giving some, making sure we're all on the same page um, because our ministry to our children is one of our most important ones, and we want to see that start to be a little bit better. I think we have areas we can improve, and so that's the 19th. Uh, we, have, we are planning food already, and so you'll have food prepared, and it uh, should not take too long. Uh, we want to take you from your whole afternoon, but that'll be after the morning service in the Fellowship Hall uh, on November 19th. Orchestra special practice. We are pre- going to be playing as an orchestra on the 19th as well that evening, and so we're going to practice immediately following the service right up here. Um, there is another play practice for the Christmas Contour that's happening after, so we need to get going as soon as we possibly can, all right? So even if people are still talking, come on down if you are interested. I know some of you talked to me already, but if you are interested in playing and maybe you're like, I forgot my instrument tonight, you can come see me and uh, we'll get you involved in that. We'll probably practice again before as well. Uh, but that'll be tonight right following the evening service right up here on the platform. Blankets from the nursing home. Um, you can see Chuck or Beth Provoca for any questions, but the deadline to donate is September, excuse me, Sunday, December 17th. And uh, you can donate in between the two uh, sides of the building or donate money to the Provocas. Christmas and Winemaker is coming up. There's a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. Pastor talked about that this morning. We're looking forward to that awesome outreach opportunity for our church. And now you can see Pastor and myself if you have any questions about that. Our missionaries of the week are Cody and Cami Rich in Zimbabwe. They were with us this past uh, January for our missions conference, or he was. His wife was not able to come with their family. But he came, and uh, they, according to their letter, should be in Zimbabwe at this point. And so they're praying for two men. Um, for the Lord to continue to use them as they start this ministry there uh, with their family. They're excited. They've been waiting and traveling for a couple years now to get going, and so they're very excited to be on the field that God's called them to be. So we'll have the men come forward this time to receive this evening's offering, and I'm going to ask Matt Kravolka if he would pray for the offering and also for the riches in Zimbabwe. Lord, thank you for this evening and just for this opportunity again to be able to gather in your house and worship with fellow believers. Thank you for the freedom that we have to be able to do so. Uh, Lord, as we come here tonight, I pray that you would just help us to have uh, tender hearts that are ready to receive your word and to help us, Lord, to live lives that are changed because of it. I pray for the riches. ask that you would uh, continue to help them as they are getting settled in Zimbabwe. Uh, bless that ministry there. Give them wisdom and boldness as they just seek to share the gospel. And Lord, we pray for our own missionaries. We pray for the Klingemans. ask that you would just give them the grace that they need through each and every trial and situation that they face. Encourage their hearts. Please be with Brother Bruce and Miss Monette and Sophie. Um, help them, Lord, in, uh, in the ways that uh, you know that they need it. And uh, for you to send an encouragement to them this week. And uh, as you bless this offering now, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when Pastor Brett asked me to lead songs, I thought of an appropriate theme for tonight, and this morning's theme was faith. And in response to that, I thought, how does a man grow in faith? Well, it's 
quite simply, with one eye on his Bible and with the other eye on the throne of God, that is how a man would grow in faith. You don't grow in faith by trying harder or looking unto yourself. You grow in faith by looking unto Jesus, by looking unto God. So our first hymn is Holy, Holy, Holy. Put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. Look unto God in His holiness. Holy, Holy, People follow you. It's called leading. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Pray that you would just put your hand upon this service. May we be drawn to you through everything that's said and done. May we know that it's been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Birthdays and anniversaries. Let's see. Where's Mr. Jaden? Ah, there he is. Sweet 16. Never mind. <laughs> so when was your birthday, Jaden? Yesterday? 
How old, and you're 16, how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Ten years. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody else have a birthday or anniversary this last week? Miss Brinley, did you have a birthday? When was your birthday? Yesterday. Yesterday. Are you 16 too? No. How old are you? Seven. That's wonderful. And we've. And how long have you known Jesus as your Savior, Miss Brinley? How many? Three years. That is wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. Anybody else? Birthdays or anniversaries this last week? I don't see anybody else raising their hand. Am I missing somebody? Usually there's somebody that's like... <laughs> All right, let's sing happy birthday to these young people. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him. And show him my salvation. May the Lord sanctify us through his word. You may be seated. Next hymn we'll be singing is The Love of God. The love of God is
us from the love of God. And if any man, if any person here doubts the love of God, simply look unto Calvary, and that's all you need for the greatest example, the greatest demonstration of God's love towards us. Um, the next hymn that we'll sing is Greatest I Have Faithfulness. sun, moon, and stars will sooner fall out of the sky than the Lord betray his faithfulness unto you. It's unimaginable that we wake up tomorrow and, oh, the sun is gone. In that same way, it needs to be unimaginable to you that God would cease to be faithful, utterly faithful in your life. And what's the sun, moon, and stars compared to his dear and tender child that he bought with the blood of his own son? For this last verse, let's stand and sing a pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Pardon for sin and a peace
response to that, by faith and go. That's our hymn of the month, uh, by faith. By faith we see the hand of God in the light of shelters me, you hold my hand, and you hear my call. You are always good, you are only good, you are always good to me. Though my eyes can't see, and my heart believe, you are always holy good. 
We talked about, you know, if you were in need of God's preserving, and uh, that's a good song to remind us, right? Do you believe that God is always good, even when your life is going through all of those other things? So it's a good reminder for us. Take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. We're going to run through this is sermon number 3 tonight. Um, well, just kidding, Jonathan. Uh, you did a great job. I, I, I love when you do that. It's called song leading. I tell, I, I'm serious. When you're up here, you are in charge of the congregation, and you need to take charge. So stand up whenever you want them to stand up. It's up to you. We don't care. Everybody else saying, don't make me stand up. I don't really care. I'm a song leader, right? So watch me. That's, anyway, John chapter 4. Tonight we're going to, well, you're gonna, this is one of those love-hate nights. You know, you're going to love me or hate me or both. I don't really know. Uh, so... Uh, I promised you at the beginning of October that this night was coming, and uh, I was planning on having it last week because I forgot that uh, it's the fifth Sunday and Teen Takeover Sunday, so it got bumped back to tonight, so that's all right. We'll still uh, work ourselves through it. You're, some of you are trying to think, what is he talking about? And others of you are thinking, oh, I thought he forgot. And uh, whatever, so, but uh, we'll all get there. We're in John chapter 4. What happens in John chapter 4? Like the woman at the well, I was seek The woman at the well, right? And uh, so tonight, I want to talk to you. We've been talking about the gospel uh, in the morning service and in the evening service, talking about how that we can uh, impact the gospel with what we do with it. And I want to talk to you tonight about creating opportunities for the gospel. There is somebody out here in our midst who is the master of creating opportunities for the gospel, and that would be Bob Mayer, right? That's exactly right. Uh, Bob Mayer is always finding a way to work the gospel into the conversation. Uh, it's a fantastic thing to do. Uh, we need to create opportunities for the gospel. I do not believe that just because we're Christians or just because we're right, that that means people are obligated to listen to us talk. Do you understand? They're not obligated to listen to us talk. It's not like, you know, we had, I mean, back in the day, right, back in the day, we would go knock on a door, and we would expect somebody to open the door, invite us in, and be polite as we sat down and talked to them. We live in a day and age now where, first of all, if you can actually get them to answer the door, good luck. And uh, if you do get them to answer the door, the, the idea that they're going to let you into their house is like, minuscule, and beyond all of that, the reality is they don't owe us anything. Right? We do owe them. We are debtors. I am debtor, both to the Greek and to the barbarian. 
Right? That's what the Bible says. I, and what am I indebted to? To share the gospel with them. But that doesn't mean that they are indebted to us to, to, to sit down and, and listen. Uh, and I honestly, I can remember hearing stories. We'd have an evangelist come through and, and you know, some guy would come to the door and he'd be getting a little bit uh, mouthy and the evangelist would in essence tell him to be quiet, sit down and listen up. And he'd tell some great story about how he led that person to the Lord. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. I really don't know how it all happened. That's great. But I'm just telling you, nobody's obligated to listen to us. That's not the obligation. When you follow Jesus through, uh, he was also a master at creating opportunities for the gospel. So I want to talk to you tonight about creating opportunities for the gospel before we get into our last part. So uh, let's... uh, have a word of prayer. Well, I'm going to read you one verse. It's not in John chapter 4, but then we'll come to John chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says this, For a great door and effectual, in other words, an effective opportunity door, is opened unto me. But along with that, there are, anybody know what the rest of the verse says? But there are many adversaries. The, the opportunities are there, but there are hurdles to get past. But the opportunity is a great, great opportunity, an effective opportunity. Great door and effectual is open under the Apostle Paul for their adversaries. And that's true with us in the gospel. We need to make some opportunities, and we'll talk to you about that as we look at John chapter 4. Father, I pray that you would help us as we study your word together tonight, that we would be willing to create, with your help, opportunities for the gospel to have an impact on people's lives. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you know the story. I'll walk you through it. I don't have time to read all of it, but John chapter 4, it goes uh, chapter, verse 5 through verse the end of the chapter, really. Uh, Jesus and the apostles are going to go on a trip, and if you know anything about this, so uh, they're here, they're going here, and they need to go through Samaria or around Samaria, typically, because the Jewish people felt like the Samaritans were dogs. They literally referred to them as dogs. Typically, they would go around Samaria, but Jesus says we must needs go through Samaria. So the apostles were already a little uncomfortable, out of their comfort zone, in a situation, in a circumstance they did not really look forward to. And by the way, I'm going to tell you, there's hardly any way around getting out of your comfort zone to present the gospel. You know, this is not about our comfort. It's about our debt, right? It's about what we owe to people. And so let's just get out of our comfort zone and figure out a way to do it. So Jesus says, let's go through Samaria. And uh, in verse 5 says, Then come thee to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, uh, near to uh, the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Now, first of all, what kind of woman is she? Samaritan. What is Jesus? He's Jewish. And they, the two don't mix very well. All right? then let's get past all of that. Right? Get past all prejudices. that we carry. If we're going to carry the gospel to those who need to hear it, you can't carry your prejudices with you. You say, well, you don't know what they did to me. I don't care what they did. I'm just being honest. I don't really care what they did. I don't care if somebody hurt your feelings, crushed you, or physically hurt you. It doesn't matter. Right? That's... That's a prejudice we can't carry with us as Christians. We must needs go through Samaria. You get the idea? Uh, we just got to create some opportunities. So 
uh, Jesus sits down at this well. It's about six hours. This woman comes. The second thing that's unique about this is, especially at this time period in history, the fact that it's a woman is a big deal. You need to understand this. Uh, I'm not suggesting that women are lower class. Neither is God. Jesus is going to prove that to us right here in this story. But, you know, these were, these were social taboos that were about to take place, two of them. Jesus is going to talk to a woman, and Jesus is going to talk to a Samaritan. And that's a social taboo. This should not be happening, and the disciples are not going to fully understand this as the story goes on. But I want to show you what happens. Verse 7. Jesus says, sit down, listen up, I'm going to give you the gospel. Is that what he says? This is how Jesus created opportunity for the gospel. Jesus starts a conversation. A Jew, a Jewish man, starting a conversation with a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman, and he says, hey, give me something to drink. That's all it was. This was not you know, some big elaborate doctrinal statement. It was, give me something to drink. At this moment, many things could have happened. This woman could have given him something to drink, turned around and walked away. And I'm of the opinion, you can disagree with me because it didn't happen, so, right, we're just dealing with the what-ifs that we don't know, but I'm of the opinion that had she done that, Jesus would have let her walk away. Jesus has set up a scenario in which this woman is really, quite honestly, in control of whether she's going to hear the gospel. Jesus says, hey, give me something to drink. And verse 8 tells you that the apostles, the disciples have gone away to the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest me, which am a woman of Samaria? So, Here's, what I, here's how I see this playing out. Jesus started a conversation that kind of demanded a response. Now, she could have ignored it, but he started a conversation that was like, whoa, you're a man, you're a Jew, I'm a woman, I'm a Samaritan. Should we be doing this? <laughs> you know, how is it that you're asking me for something to drink? And it, she... She kind of, at that moment, you know, you know what's happened. She has taken the bait. Do you remember in John chapter 3, we have a, just one chapter earlier, we have a similar story. And it says, there was a man, a ruler of the Jews, named Nicodemus. The same came to Jesus by night, saying, Rabbi, we know that thou art a master come from God. For no man could do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Remember that? And he goes on, and finally Jesus says, you must be born again. Now, I'm of the opinion that if he just said, okay, that would have been the end of the conversation. But he didn't. You know what he said? He said, how can a man be born when he's old? He took the bait, right? How can a man be born when he's old? Can he end the second time to his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus begins that conversation. You know, he's like, what? You're a rabbi and you don't know? You know, that was born of the Flesh is flesh. I was born of the spirit of spirit. Marvel not this saying he must be born again. I mean, and it starts this conversation. And ultimately, Nicodemus comes to Christ. This woman comes to Christ. And it's because Jesus creates opportunities for the gospel. In John chapter 4, he creates the opportunity simply by going someplace first. 
and then starting a conversation without being rude, without being inconsiderate, without forcing and being pushy himself upon this woman. He says, give me something to drink. And she says, how can this happen? Why are you doing this? And look at what it says. Uh, I love this. Jesus says in verse 10, if you knew, the, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith that he give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him and he would have given thee living water. By the way, I'm of the opinion again. Conversation could have ended right here. Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water. And she could have said, I'm not asking. <laughs> right? Conversation could have ended. Jesus just kind of continues to put out the bait. He's, he's creating opportunities for the gospel to go forth. You and I have got to figure this out. We are called upon by God to carry the gospel. And it's going to be seldom that you're going to be in a situation where you have a group of people seated in a, in a hall someplace and somebody says, hey, would you stand up there and give us your testimony? That's not going to happen very often. Do you understand? It's unlikely. Now, it might be, have you ever, I'm, I'm sure this has happened at your house or at your family get-togethers, right? Your family get-together, and, and uh, it's, it depends on what your family dynamic is. If you come from, from a generations of Christian family, then this doesn't mean anything to you. But if you come from a family like mine was, you know, and there's that awkwardness of, oh, John's now going to Bible college. I guess we should let him pray. You want to pray, John? <laughs> you know, I mean, now, now our family dynamic has changed because we've had several of our family members have come to Christ, and so now we get together and there's an expectation that we're going to pray, of course. But back then it was like, okay, let's be polite to the newbie over here and let him pray. And so then what you do is you pray through the gospel, right? Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And you kind of go through the gospel so they have a chance to hear it. You take whatever opportunities you can get. I'm being very serious, you know, but it's seldom you're going to have those kinds of opportunities. Most of the opportunities, like at work, are not going to be where somebody comes up and says, hey, tell me what your church believes. That's probably not happened to you, ever. And it's unlikely it's going to. It's going to be a conversation like this, where, you know, Jesus begins this conversation. If you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink, and I'd give you living water. So the woman's like, sir, you have nothing to draw with. Well, it's deep. We're in verse 11. And whence hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof his children himself? And Jesus answered and said, whosoever drink of the water I drink, or drink of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well spring, spring up into everlasting life. Well, the water spring up into everlasting life. Wow. So the woman's like, Look, you know you got her. When she says, sir, give me this water. But she needs to understand some things about the gospel. She needs to understand why she needs this water. And so Jesus says, go get your husband. Let him drink too. Right? Jesus is going to point out to her why she so desperately needs living water. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus, now, you and I are probably not privy like Jesus was to some of this personal information, right? I am, I'm aware that he does have a little edge on us here, right? I know that. I'm aware. But, uh, yeah, just a little edge. And uh, she says, I have no Jesus says, thou hast well said, I have no husband. 
For thou hast had five husbands, and the guy that you're living with now isn't your husband. Busted. Right? I mean, do you see how Jesus has done this? He's created an opportunity that this lady has invited him to point out her need. It's difficult to walk into a situation where you don't know somebody and say, sit down, be quiet, let me tell you that you're a wicked sinner and going to hell and you need to get saved. Wow. <laughs> it's a hard way to start out the conversation. But when the person is inviting the conversation, it changes things. It's called being, the Bible puts it this way, being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Right? So Jesus kind of, I mean, he kind of sets her up for it and she walks right into it. And it is an amazing thing. I perceive, she says in verse 19, thou art a prophet. And then she goes and talks about how the, you know, the Samaritans worship at this mountain, the Jew, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. And Jesus uh, saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye, wor ye, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews, but he says, I'm going to tell you something. The hour is coming. And now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And the gospel is opening up. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says unto her plainly now, I that speak am he. Wow. You know what happens next, by the way? After this woman believes what Jesus has said, she goes and rounds up the city, and the entire city comes out to, to hear about Jesus. And the Bible says some believe because she said it, and some believe because they came and heard it for themselves. All because Jesus was wise about setting up. I, I want to talk to us, I want to make this very practical. How can we set up opportunities, create opportunities to share the gospel. And I'm making this practical, right? So uh, last Wednesday, two Wednesdays ago, I don't remember when it was, uh, we had a guy come in with a guy from Central America or South America. W was that last Wednesday, two Wednesdays ago? Two Wednesdays ago? Three Wednesdays ago? Whenever it was. Anyway, uh, Matthew Barfield came in, and he's written this little book, it's a very little book. He's written this little book called Next Door Nations. Not Next Door Neighbors, Next Door Nations. Because here's what's happened in America. We now have people from other nations right in our neighborhood. Next door to us are about 100 Sikh people living next door to us. Next door nations. God says, here, let me open up an opportunity for you. Now, it's up to us to walk through the door, to say, okay, I need to be creative and figure out. I'm, this is a challenge to our church. How can we crack into that community? I don't, I'm being honest with you. I don't know how. And I said to Matt when he was here, I need to, I need to learn from you how to do this because you know, he's, helped, he's helped his church to start up now. I think they have six, maybe ten different languages being represented in the, in the preaching. Um, it's phenomenal, right? Because nations have moved next door. Why don't we just walk through the door that's been opened up? So I'm putting out the challenge here. What do we... The, 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 thing, the one thing he said that we need to look into, by the way, this is our church collectively, not us individually now, that we need to look into is he said we started by doing, can anybody guess 
What class did they offer? English as a second language. And quite honestly, you don't have to be an English teacher to teach English as a second language. You, do know how to, you have to know how to speak English. They don't quite honestly even care if you speak proper English, right? So if you say ain't every now and again, probably they don't mind. They just want to learn English. And opening up the opportunity to teach a class, English as a second language, you can use any book that you want to teach English as a second language. So you might actually open up a Bible and say, hey, let me show you some English. What happens? It's called Wise as a Serpent, Harmless as a Dove, creating opportunities that are there. So that's an opportunity. We got this in the mail this last week. And by the way, this was already planned, but this came in the mail this last week. Franciscan Health Services is looking for volunteers. They'll let you come in and talk to people who might be dying or are facing difficult times with their health. They'll let you volunteer to do all kinds of different things. Say, Pastor John, I don't feel really comfortable doing all these things. I don't know how to talk to those people. I don't it's time to get out of the comfort zone, right? I, I'm just telling you, if you're waiting for, the, for people to you can you can literally tell me, if this whole room, I'll bet we could come up with only maybe three stories where somebody came to you and said, tell me how to get saved. That ever happened to anybody? Okay, maybe not three. We've got two. You understand? I mean, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's an unusual, rare event. Uh, we have to create them. So, you know, find the two hours a week to go volunteer someplace. It doesn't have to be here, right? This is just one of a hundred places within driving distance of our church that would gladly let you volunteer. Some of them, by the way, are at the schools. And you can get yourself into our schools in, in rare and unusual ways. I'm going to tell you, if you go and say, hi, I'm from Southeast Baptist Tabernacle, and we'd like to come and set up a booth and present the gospel to the students, they're not going to invite you to come in. It's not going to happen. But wise as serpent, harmless as doves. You know, you've watched our pastoral staff do it, right? Pastor Andrew started out, Pastor Brett's doing it. They, they coach soccer. They coach soccer. You know, and they do that. By the way, both of them started out, even, they're getting paid now, praise the Lord, isn't that wonderful, Brett? But they started out volunteer. You know, and so they're spending hours of their coaching soccer, but at the end of the soccer season, we just did this, was this last week that we just, you just did that? Two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Uh, so how many kids were here? Ish. Forty. Forty kids from the soccer team were here on our church property where we played games. They played games, fed them, and then sat them down in our fellowship hall and shared the gospel with them because we can. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves, You've got, you got to open that door of opportunity. You've got to create those opportunities. If you're waiting for your brother, sister, aunt, uncle, cousin to come to you and say, please tell me about Jesus, it's probably not going to happen. We've got to create those opportunities. That's what Jesus did. He created opportunities and then made it happen. And so I'm going to encourage you. Um, we had, with Matt Barfield, we had this guy come in from uh, Bolivia. And... Uh, and I only, I don't know him. I'm just bringing him up. As, you know, mission trips are one of those opportunities. So we've, we've taken kids out to, to Reno to help out with Andy Gleiser's church plant out there and, and create opportunities. We've, 
took a trip out to, well, I don't remember the name of the church, Pastor Brett, but out to Utah and took our college students out there. And uh, you know what they did? They ran a soccer clinic for 150 Mormon kids. And you know, you know the whole purpose of it is the gospel. Why is it? If you announce to the Mormon church, you know, hey, we want to invite your kids to share the gospel, they're going to, uh-uh. But if you say, hey, we want to invite your kids to, to a soccer clinic, 150 of them show up. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves, creating opportunity. But pastor, I don't have time. Uh, pastor, you know, here's what I can't tell you. I can't tell you how to make this work. But I also am not the one that calls. You understand? I didn't call you. I'm not the one that said you go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That wasn't me. You owe me nothing. And you'll never stand before your pastor and give an account of this. But one day, all of us will stand before our Savior. And like Thomas of old, we'll be invited to touch his nail-scarred hands, his nail-scarred feet, his ribbon side. And at that moment, there will not be a single person that will say, by and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I wish I had given him less. No one will say that. But there will be many of us say, I wish I had given him more. I wish I had done more. Creating that opportunity, that's our job, right? It's not, it's not easy. We go to the, we go to the uh, Wanamaker Christmas thing, not because we like dressing up and we like marching in a cold, you know, uh, parade. Some of you might really like that, but that's not why we do it. You need to understand that is not what we're, why we're doing this. We're not doing it because can't, passing out candy makes us feel good. If it does, you're missing the point. Do you understand? What we're doing is creating an opportunity. And our job is to step through the door when the door is open, create the opportunity, and then a great door is opened unto us. We step through it. And yes, there's going to be adversaries. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be challenges. But the challenges are worth it, right? As we see the opportunity be begin to unfold before us. So we could volunteer. Uh, some of you could do this for a couple of reasons. Join a gym. Uh, the Smiths aren't here. I figured you'd get that eventually. The Smiths aren't here, Steve and Brenda Smith, but um, Will, you guys know who Will is? Comes with Steve and Brenda Smith. Uh, every Wednesday he's here. You know, where, you know where they met? The gym. They met at the gym. Uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we had a couple that was here on Sunday morning with Steve and Brenda, and that couple both made professions of faith that Sunday morning. They were one of the ones that looked up at me to make a profession of faith. You know where they came from? The gym. You know, it's, you go to the gym and you start talking to people about stuff and open up the door. Like Jesus, being creative in your conversation and as the door continues to open, you step through it and you step through it and before you know it, you're presenting the gospel to someone who needs to hear it. Um, we went... A week and a half ago, we didn't, again, uh, but 
a group of our, of our church folks went to prison for a day and uh, played soccer with a bunch of prisoners. So they'd have the opportunity at the end of the soccer game to sit those prisoners down and preach the gospel. Where, was it four or six? Four made professions of faith? Six? Six made professions of faith. All right? Wow. You know what you do? You, you create an opportunity. And then when the door opens up, you step through it. You, you, th- I, I'm not saying that any of this is easy. Take a class. Right? Again, do you think you know everything you need to know? You want to take a really good class that gives you an opportunity to share the gospel? Go down here to, the, uh, to U of I or go to IUPUI and take a class on philosophy or comparative religion. You'll learn a lot, and you'll also have a a great opportunity to talk about Jesus. You will. I'm not guaranteeing that people listen, but you create opportunities. And as the door opens, you step through it. None of this is easy stuff. All of it is worth it, right? What we're trying to do is reach people who desperately need Jesus. Okay, i got to stop. Here's what we're going to do. I promise you, four weeks ago, this night was coming. Some of the problems, I think, is that we don't know how to lead people to Jesus. So you help me first. What's something that someone has to know in order to understand the gospel and trust Christ? Okay, we need to know this, right? All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. People need to understand the reason we need a Savior. If people don't see themselves as lost, then it's difficult for them to see a need for a Savior. So while it's not, you know, we don't step into a a situation and start off with that necessarily. Like Jesus, we see if, you know, we let them show the interest, perhaps. But we need to understand there's a need for a Savior. What else? What's something else we need to understand? There's nothing I can do, right? It is not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy uh, that he saves us. By grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, that's the same measure both. We cannot do anything to erase our sin debt, right? So we need to understand that. That's a, cl- a clarification we need to make and as we're presenting God's truth. What else? Christ made a payment. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Uh, Christ has supplied the way for our sin debt to be paid, not on our own. We needed someone to pay it for us. We might talk about how, he, how and why he is worthy, but, uh, you know, that Christ paid that sin debt. Really, it comes down to the last, one last thing. What is it? Resurrection. Well, that's true. The resurrection. Wow, that was a good one, but... Yeah, we need to believe, right? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I mean, once we understand I'm a sinner, I can't save myself, God sent his son to save me, how do I get that? I need to trust Christ. Now, here's what we're going to do, all right? You've got about 10 minutes, and you're going to use it. I can't make you. I'm just being honest, right? I don't have that kind of authority. I'm asking you to do this we need it. But more than we need it, a lost and dying world desperately needs it. We need to know how to lead people to Jesus. So I'd like for you to pair off in maybe groups of four or so. 
and lead each other to Jesus. Share the gospel. Now, can anybody tell me how the Apostle Paul shared the gospel? I think it's four times that I can count in the scripture, but maybe only three. How did the Apostle Paul share the gospel? His testimony. He's like, hey, I was walking down the road to Damascus. Right? He simply shared, let me tell you what happened to me. This isn't complicated. This isn't, wow, this is so hard. This is, this is just an opportunity to share your testimony. How did you come to understand your need for Christ, and when did you understand it? And, and you know, tell us about when you placed your faith in Christ. To be, it's not hard. Pastor, I, you're making me feel uncomfortable. Praise the Lord. You understand? Because until we get out of our comfort zone, it's never going to go outside of this room. If we can't do it here, do you know our chances of doing this outside of this room are? This is something we've got we to figure out how we're going to do. Let's tell people about Jesus. Okay? So if you say, I'm not really sure myself, Pastor, then all you do is just put yourself in a group where you can hear it several times in different ways. Right? I've never done this before, Pastor. I don't know how to share it. I know I'm saved, but I just don't know how to share it. Fine. Find yourself that group, four or five, and, and just fit in. Right? Share it. Families. Okay, I'm, I'm challenging you to kind of branch out a little bit, all right, beyond your family. Uh, obviously, you have little ones. Keep little ones with you. But, you know, it, I, I want you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit tonight. Because if, if we can't do this here in, and get out of that comfort zone, it's really going to be hard for us to do it at work, at school, any place else. Okay? And once that's done, once you've shared and had a chance to kind of help each other through, you're dismissed. See how this works? I just want you to have an opportunity to know that you can share the gospel with someone. So do so, and then dismiss yourself. Lord bless you, keep you, make space shine upon you, give you peace. God bless you.